This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your desktop or mobile device. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. these books i thought i'd take some light reading in case i got bored welcome everyone to trek fm's dedicated books and comics show i am one just one of the hosts here on the show and i'm so excited to be here my name is matthew rushing as i'm sure that most of you know but in case you didn't there you go Uh, i am joined as always by two fantastic wonderful incredible talented and nay, should I say, amazing, gentlemen. The first of those, Dan Gunther. Matthew, I feel bad because you're always introducing us and you use all these superlatives. So let me say, Matthew, you are equally amazing, wonderful, talented, and dare I say it, handsome. I just want to thank my mom and the Academy <laughs> and everybody who listens. And, oh, we've never won a parsec. Never mind. Uh, Bruce, <laughs> it's so good to have you here. Thank you, Dan. That really actually means a lot. <laughs> I am the one, the only Bruce Gibson. And Matt, you- wait, are you sure about that? Have you Googled? So, I, I mean, because I don't want to be, I, have I mean, Googled have we fact checked you? Yeah, but I'm fact the, check him, listeners. Fact check him. But wait, I'm the only. If you Google Bruce Gibson literary treks, I'm the only one that comes up. That's okay. The difference ah, okay. Ah, yeah. uh, I see. I see. Yes. Uh, well, you've really narrowed it down there for sure. <laughs> I can confirm that we don't have a rotating slate of Bruce Gibsons that we bring on every week. You are, in fact, the only one on literary treks. If we did, <laughs> I was the first, and the. I'm the first, and right now the only, but that could change. And if you so, Bruce Google, Gibson, the first. If, but if you we could Google have the second on Matt Rushing, good looking, you come up as the good looking. Actually, Matt that's Rushing. probably not true because the most famous Matt Rushing, if you Google, this is completely off topic, but if you Google <laughs> it, it is a ballet dancer, and not only is he good looking, but very in shape. That was everything. It you? I am not. That, so. Oh, I thought that was you. Yeah, I just totally yeah, assumed no. that was you. <laughs> I thought I um, saw you like tippetoeing around dancing the other day. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe no, it was you me. doing that, but you're not the famous ballet dancer. <laughs> wow. You're just one okay. of the many amazing God, ballet man, My dancers. manhood, I feel like, just got impugned on the show. And so maybe we should just talk about news because this is going down a really dark path. It's kind of <laughs> like we're watching the debate right now. Anyway, we have some great news, guys. Some fantastic news. Forget politics. We've got... The brand new, revised Star Trek Encyclopedia expanded and updated edition that is about to already be out of date next year. (laughs) But it's back to you. And I'm so excited about this because it covers 
all five of the original series, you know, from TOS to Enterprise and, of course, all the new films, which is great. The only thing it won't have it in is Discovery, so Discovery could be like its own, you know, uh, section, or maybe you could just have a Discovery encyclopedia come out uh, every few years. But this is this is fantastic. It's been so long since we've had this, and Memory Alpha is wonderful, but this comes straight from Mike and Denise Akuda, and it's gold. So I'm I'm very excited. I want to get this sometime. I just don't have the money at the moment, but I, I it's on my wish list. So I guess hint, hint, hint to anyone. <laughs> yeah, this is really, really cool. I actually do have this on order. I thought it would come in for the release date, but apparently not. So a little disappointed there. But yeah, I'm expecting to get this one anytime and I'm really excited for it. And just a quick little shout out to Aaron Harvey on Saturday Morning Treks. This also does not have the animated series, which kind of is too bad. But other than that and what's upcoming in Star Trek, yeah, it covers it all, which is really, really cool. I can remember as a kid flipping through the Star Trek encyclopedia. I bought it every time a new edition came out. So I'm on board for this one. Totally going to relieve my youth. See, that's just the thing. I did the same thing. I, every uh, edition that came out, I got it. And I almost feel like I need to get this to keep that tradition going. But, you know, with Memory Alpha... And, tradition. And <laughs> tradition. Those, I, I don't feel like I, I need to get it now like I did then. But at the same time, I, there's, just, there's just something different about actually having this in book form. And like Matt, you said, the Akutas put it together. And I really want this even though i can google or or go to memory alpha and beta and whatever to get a lot of this information just to have in these volumes it's like i I just feel like i needed to do that so i've got my amazon gift cards that i've saved up i haven't ordered it yet but i'm going to do it this week and so i want to get these books and go through them and i don't think star trek beyond is featured in this if I remember what I read a couple months ago, I don't think they got to put Beyond in it because the movie hadn't come out when they were writing this. Right. Yeah, that's right. They The, the cutoff was right before Beyond, for sure. And uh, yeah, full disclosure, I totally got this on gift card as well. So, <laughs> you know, if you have some spare gift cards lying around, this is a great way to pick this up. And, and keep in mind that uh, from what I've seen, Amazon uh, in the U.S., it's $88 roughly, mm-hmm. but the regular retail price is 150 And sometimes you can find it a little lower, but so far Amazon is the cheapest I've found. Which I, I think I'm with you guys. Uh, Amazon I've seen is, is probably the place to go. I mean, when you're thinking about the two-volume, over 1,000 pages set for 88 bucks, and a hardcover nice edition comes in a slipcase and all, not really a bad deal. So, I mean, seriously, I, I think uh, back in the day, this probably would have been like 150 bucks, mm-hmm. and that's just what you would have paid for it, you know? So this is this is really fantastic stuff. So I, I'm very excited about this. Um, another thing, guys, that I am excited... Nay, no, hold on. I am sufficiently excited. It is already getting the stamp of approval. You just heard the stamp. Brand new control. It's here. The cover is here for David Max control. I, I'm, oh, I'm just uh, all a Twitter. I, I am <laughs> Twitter pated with this cover and the idea of this book. I can't, I can't wait. So excited. David Mack, I love you, man. And, and whenever we meet in person, I will be buying you a scotch. 
Absolutely. This cover is gorgeous. Uh, that level of excitement that you just displayed, I think on the other side of the page, you guys heard me gushing about it. This is beautiful. And uh, I think you will find that this will have probably a few stamps of sufficiently exciting all over it because, yeah, this is gorgeous. And also such a long anticipated book, too. I think we've all been really waiting for this one and really excited to be getting this next year. Yes, and it comes out March 28th of 2017. So look for it on bookshelves or online, get your ebook version. But I do love this cover and I love uh, seeing Bashir, little scruffy there, gray going in the little stubble there. And uh, it look, you know, it almost kind of reminds me of the, in the 70s, the Six Million Dollar Man. It's got that little radar thing like, you know, that used to be kind of hovering over his eyes. Yeah, no, you're right. It just I know exactly what that. you're talking about. That's awesome. No, I, I love this. I love that it's referencing the the other Section 31 book that we did with him. It has that similar feeling to it, but this one having that, you know, he's in the crosshairs. Uh, and so I, I really, I'm just so excited about this. And and I'm what's exciting to me is to see where David Mack takes the character of Bashir, uh, obviously, uh, and to see what he ends up doing with Section 31. Do we finally put it to rest like he did with the Borg? Are they allowing him to do that in the novels? I think that that's the, the question I can't wait to have answered. And knowing David, um, probably a lot of people will die. It's a Section 31 novel. So, I mean, whole universes could probably die. <laughs> so uh, I'm really excited, though, for this book. And um, it's it's one of those... You know, along with Architects of Infinity that's coming out with Kirsten Beyer, uh, this is, I think, the one that really has me the most jazzed because it's the storyline to which has been building for the longest time, I think. You know, and when you think about so Section 31 with Bashir, I mean, this is building, building since the series. It's been going on through uh, the relaunch novels, and finally it, we're reaching that culmination, and that's what I just can't wait to get. Yeah, here, here. Uh, definitely excited for this one. Well, also this week, uh, something really cool. We've got a new comic, the first issue in a new series. seems like we've been saying that a lot lately, uh, to talk about boldly go number one hit shelves, uh, this week. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about that one. Yeah, we actually have, uh, the Star Trek boldly go number one with some variant covers. And so depending where you buy this or if you get them online, you can see different covers that are out there. And, and, and some of them, you know, are like one's ripped right from one of the movie images of, of Kirk and the little mining ships that we saw from beyond. One's got something where it's like uh, little doll cutouts where, you know, you fold the <laughs> little the paper doll clothes around them. That That's a little odd. But, oh, and there's little tribbles, too. I'm and, all about that paper doll cover. <laughs> <laughs> so we have various hands with a phaser communicator, different outfits. This is amazing. We found your <laughs> cover, Dan. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> But anyway, there's just a bunch of them, and I think if you get in the an inside cover, you'll whatever variant you get, you'll see the different images, so you can uh, see which ones you like, and maybe then go find that different one that you want to pick up. So, what did you guys? Uh, you know, this is going to be starting the brand new series. We're picking up right after Beyond, story wise, Beyond the covers. Um, I I really like the creativity they've done with this one uh, because they've really crafted a story. So. 
basically this is after the destruction of the quote-unquote original Enterprise in Beyond. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Beyond. Sorry about that. And they're waiting around for a new Enterprise to be built. And so the crew's kind of scattered. Kirk's commanding a new ship, the Endeavor, uh, with a new crew. He's brought along Scotty and Chek, or excuse me, I'm sorry, McCoy and Chekhov. Um, you know, Scotty's teaching at the Academy. Uhura's with Spock on Vulcan. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. Sulu's a first officer on another ship. And I think it's really cool that they've kind of sat down and really crafted something different you know let's put these characters in different situations and see what we can do with them i'm so thrilled that they went in this direction so thank you idw and the reason i say that is because when i saw star trek beyond my first thought was what's going to be next in the comics and at that time i don't even know if we knew if this was coming or not because i remember issue 60 of the original line was ending i think we knew this was coming I don't know. But anyway, I knew eventually something would come. And my point is that when we saw the end of Beyond, we saw the Enterprise A in this fast forward motion, the building of the Enterprise. And I'm like, please tell me that we just don't assume that one day the original Enterprise gets destroyed and the next day, boom, we have another Enterprise and we continue the five-year mission. There's got to be a period of time where one ship dies and the other one has to take time to be built and be ready for them and i want to see them move on to other things temporarily until they're reunited on the enterprise a and so i'm glad to see that's exactly what they did in this comic so i was thrilled to open it up and see the uss endeavor and see kirk on that ship and i'm i'm just can you tell i'm happy i'm thrilled with that well i'm liking the idea that uh hopefully this means that, uh, you know, they weren't given that really bad-looking Enterprise at the end of Beyond, the one that they kind of slapped together and said, oh, look, it's the A. Um, I, I hope that's it. I hope it really does take them some time to, to create a new ship, and, and one that looks better than that, because um, <laughs> I did not like that ship. But I really thought this comic was interesting in the way that it was taking things. Um, I loved the addition of a... A Romulan officer uh, whose parents had defected to the Federation and is now uh, the first officer on the ship with Kirk. Uh, I loved the uh, Tellarite female, which didn't look like a Tellarite at all. Uh, it looked more like a cross between Gollum and a dwarf. <laughs> I thought I didn't um, even think it, it looked was, female either. Yeah, it, it was very strange. Um so, but I, I thought that the direction of the comic was very interesting to me. I will say that I'm not super excited, and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't read this, so if you have not read the comic, please do not listen to it because you will be spoiled. That is your warning. I don't want the Borg back. I, I don't want the Borg right now in this universe. I feel like... If there is one thing that I don't love, obviously, about, and I think it's the same thing everybody didn't love about Into Darkness, was the way that it was just taking too much from the other series and pulling it in and not making it feel like its own, whereas I felt like Beyond and 09 do a much better job of making everything feel like their own, even if they pay homage to something from the series. And I just, I, I want to see more originality in, in the comics. I want to see more originality in the storylines. And the storyline was very original 
until the moment we decided to bring the Borg in. So I don't know. I, I'm just I'm hoping it doesn't last very long because that's that's not what I personally want to see. Because otherwise, until that like last page, this comic was phenomenal and I was loving it. That happened and I was like, oh. Because it's like it went from awesome to lazy to me. So uh, yeah. I, I, I hope the best because, again, 99% of this comic was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I'm hoping to see is because this is our place to really explore this universe in a way we never have. So uh, that's what I'd love. Well, the fact that 99% of it was that great kind of gives me a little bit of hope. I'm a little bit torn on this. Because I'm I'm curious to see where they go with it, if they still manage to do something original and new, even with a bit of an old and tired concept. You know, I'm I'm willing to give them enough rope possibly to hang themselves with, but hopefully to craft something as good as this issue was, I hope. One little thing that I just just noticed actually while I was reading it and didn't catch it the first time I was going through this, uh the cadets at the academy. <laughs> where Scotty's teaching. They're actually the characters from the Starfleet Academy comic. Uh, I did not realize that at first. Uh, and as well as Jayla. Jayla is in the, in the crowd there too, which is pretty cool. Anyway, just a quick aside. I just noticed that now and was kind of blown away by that. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't notice that. I'm glad you pointed that out. You know, I'm, I'm not that thrilled if the Borg come back. I, I'm, I'm on the same page with you on this, but Matt, but you know, it's, I, I I don't know. I have a feeling that at the end, that's the hint that they're giving us that this is going to happen, but then we'll open the second issue and go, aha, they got us. That's not really, it's not really the Borg, or maybe it's some little offshoot or just a one-time thing. I, I don't know. But I that is one of the complaints, not just in this issue, but in, in, in this, in these Kelvin universe, Kelvin timeline stories, whether the movies or comics, is there so much of the Star Trek mythos that happens so fast and so early? You know, even in this issue, we have Captain Terrell, at, who we see, you know, of course, later in Star Trek Two, and Sulu's his first officer in this. I mean, it's just, there's, you can take everything in Star Trek and, and push it forward. I mean, the, the Enterprise A that doesn't happen in the original timeline until much, much later. And here it's happening in the middle of the five-year mission. I just feel like there's so much that they're pulling from future events and pushing it so early in this timeline that it's almost like if we got five years further, there's nothing left to do. We might as well just jump to the next generation. Maybe they appear in 2285 <laughs> <laughs> at this rate. <laughs> That's the only thing I, I'm, I'm not liking about this timeline. It'll maybe maybe it'll turn out that it'll be the Cybermen instead of the Borg. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. That's I guess funny. resistance is useless though, not futile. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really funny. No, um, I'm with you guys. I think what we're all saying is that there's a lot of potential here. You know, there really is. There's just so much potential between uh, these the series and these characters and, and uh, this universe. And I think what we're saying is what we'd like to see is just we'd like to see them, you know, in a place that feels more 
original. That's what we really want is some originality. And um, I think, you know, that's that's not a bad thing. I think that's a really good thing because what we're saying is that we love the characters you've created in the way that you've created them in this new universe. And so we'd really love to be able to see them in that way, um, I, you know, uh, in a way that is different, you know, and, and, and makes us like look at them in a different way because they are similar, but they are also different. You know, these characters aren't the same. Uh, and I think that's the thing that we we love is that we're actually getting an opportunity to kind of know them in a way that we've never known them before. Uh, and I think that's that's a really exciting opportunity. And because, you know, uh, you create this new universe so that you can do different things with the characters. I, I would just love to see that continue. Um, and I, I think that we've got a good opportunity to do that. Uh, I think this comic starts off well for the most part. Um, my criticism is is just that it's 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 to hope that we don't begin to fall back into old patterns of just um, not being as creative as we could be. Right, because next thing so. you know, they could bring Q back. You know, I mean, he came from the next generation. Bring Q. Oh wait, wait, <laughs> they already did that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Been> so, <there. laughs> yep. Yep. Um, no, you're right, Bruce. Uh, you're absolutely 100% right. And I think that that really is the thing that we just don't want to have happen. Um, and, and I, you know, I think that's a good thing to say. I, we love this stuff. We love these characters. Uh, we love what you've created in this new universe because I think it is really exciting to me. Uh, I am one of those people who I genuinely and genuinely enjoy the JJ verse, you know, the Kelvin timeline. I think it's good stuff for the most part. I, I just want to see it it find its own path. And, you know, hopefully it will continue to get the opportunity to do that. So um again, this is a great start and we'll we'll really just see where it goes next. Well guys, of course, uh you can find us all over the place. We got a couple of different places you can find us on Twitter. At Trek FM, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. And of course, the listeners only discussion group, which is the Babel Conference. You can find that on Facebook as well. Just type Babel into the search field on Facebook. Or if you go to our website at trek.fm, any of the show pages, you can click discussion on the menu bar. Now, uh, Bruce, uh, we also have, you can, you can find us on iTunes. We're huge on iTunes because we've got the featured provider status there with Trek FM. If they're on iTunes checking out the podcast, uh, what should they do there? You know what they should do? They should write a review. Go into iTunes, Literary Treks, and give us a review. And, you know, we would love to have five stars. But, you know, if you don't want to give five stars, yeah, I, I won't talk to you. But, no, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> you know, give us any stars you want get, and a written review. Because, you know what, it does. Anytime somebody reviews a podcast on iTunes, it actually helps people find it. The more reviews, the better the podcast gets positioned in the lineup when people go to search. So it helps other people to search for the podcast and find it. So if you enjoy the podcast, there's probably other people just like you out there that will want to hear it too. So if you can help us out and help them find it, give us a written review. and We'd really appreciate it. And Dan, of course, you know, we are a books and comics podcast, which means we have a presence on Goodreads. 
where can everybody find us on Goodreads and, and why why should they go over there and join us? Absolutely. Well, Goodreads, of course, is a website that's just made for book lovers. And this is a podcast all about books. So if you go to Goodreads and search for Literary Treks, you can find our group. Just uh, click join and one of us will let you right in. And on the Goodreads group, we talk about all the books and comics in the Star Trek universe. We also have special bookshelves there where you can find all of the books that we have covered in past episodes, as well as what's coming up in future episodes. So if you want to follow along with us and keep up to date with everything that we're reading, that's a really good place to follow where we are and what's going to be coming up on the podcast. Well, guys, I'm so excited when we get to these features uh, when we are here to talk about something that really makes me laugh which is gold key comics and i think that we actually for the most part there's some really good issues here which i don't normally get to say but we've got a couple here that feel like they are really almost proto star trek episodes uh, like if they had been refined a little bit more, you could have seen them in 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 an episode. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited to to talk about these. We are in volume three, as done by IDW, and we'll be covering the first three issues. It just gets too long if we try to put all six into one episode. So we'll definitely come back and finish up volume three. But I gotta say, the first issue. Dark Traveler Part 1 and 2. <laughs> I love that it's another board dude. Yeah, this is, uh, as we've noted before, a trope that uh, seems to dog the gold key comics. A lot of these problems seem to be caused by guys who are bored. They've lived thousands of years and done everything, and they decide they want to mess with the Enterprise because that's what you do when you're really, really bored. You know, see if you can get that Spock guy to, you know, not figure out what's going on. But in this case, the ultimate bad guy did not turn out to be the bored dude, but the bored dude's brother. So points there for being a little bit different. But we still do get a megalomaniacal dictator, which is another thing that just comes up again and again in these comics. But I, I do have to say, I think the uh, the way it plays out here wasn't bad i like the bored dude <laughs> he uh because he reminded me in a lot of ways of the traveler from the next generation uh, oh yeah the idea of he because he just he can just appear on the ship and he almost has these special powers that he himself has been able to travel the universe and explore and yeah he's bored because he's explored just about everything but he's learned so much that he can He's been able to travel himself without a ship, but he's getting tired and, and he's losing, I guess, kind of his powers. He's become exhausted. So he, he gets on the Enterprise to propel it to this other realm that he's from. So that's where it reminded me of The Traveler. And I think it's really cool when you read old comics like this. And even though they can be a little hokey and a little weird at times, it's like you start to wonder, well, wait, this reminds me of an episode or a movie that later came out. Did they read this gold key comic and get the idea from that? And that's kind of the thought I had with this. And that's why I liked about the issue. No, I, I think that this is, I mean, what's so interesting about this story and, and what I said earlier about there being kind of like proto 
episodes is this there are parts of each one of these comics where I see things that will actually show up later. Uh, like you said, Bruce, you, you saw the traveler in, in this guy. And I think that's really fascinating because you're right. He kind of is the traveler. I mean, he seems to be almost godlike in his powers and kind of what he can do. He seems to be able to beam himself from one place to the next. Um, and the only reason that he needs the Enterprise is because well, he's been out traveling so long that he he needs the Enterprise because he's basically running out of juice, I guess? Power? Maybe he needs to charge his batteries? I, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Maybe he needs an energy drink. Somebody give him a Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why Cybok did what he did, too. Maybe he was out of juice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do. The one thing I, I will have to say is there's a couple things in this story that are a little bit convenient. Uh, first of all, the guy's uh, staff that he used, uses to just, you know, unceremoniously blast people. Uh, Scotty in particular at the beginning, just like zap. Oh, I actually just want to use the Enterprise to get somewhere. But, you know, I'm going to act all belligerent and think make you think I'm your enemy to begin with. But anyway, um, it seems to run out of power conveniently at some points and then at the very end that's how they defeat the bad guy is he just takes his staff and, and zaps him again <laughs> so it was a little kind of weak on the plot resolution a little bit but uh you know not a bad story overall just a couple areas where i'm like mm, they could have tightened up the story a little bit better there so Years ago, I studied at Oxford University for a summer, and we used to go to the Thames River, and I would punt. And that means, you know, you take the stick and you push the boat. You're just pushing the stick into the water and pushing the boat with it. Well, he kind of takes his staff, and, he, and, he, and he's flying a magic carpet <laughs> with Spock <laughs> and, and McCoy and Kirk on the magic carpet to get around the planet. And it, I mean, at first I heard Aladdin, oh, new world. And he's got the stick down like he's punting, you know. <laughs> it's just kind of funny in a lot of ways. But, you know, that's what's so... I I like that kind of stuff, even though it looks weird to us and it's kind of silly. But if you were going to travel the galaxy, you're going to see things that are going to look weird. And so it just makes sense that you have a flying carpet somewhere. Mm, it's very imaginative. I, I love that. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, a flying carpet is kind of a must if you're going to go to, I mean, if you're all powerful and you can pretty much do anything you want. I mean, why wouldn't you have a flying carpet uh, and, and be able to create a really large flying carpet? I, I love that. I mean, this is awesome. So what what I the one thing about this is is as silly as this Dark Traveler storyline is. I think the one thing in here that's very Star Trek. Is the idea of the struggle of any people to create a utopia and then what happens when you get to utopia are human beings in their fallible state able to handle utopia and actually live like that and that's a really interesting question and, and this comic touches on that idea because these people basically create a utopia but then unfortunately they create utopia's terminators in literal Terminators, uh, who start to take over because they've mistreated uh, this Dark Traveler's brother. 
and he gets really mad and turns all the robots that they've created to do all the work into robots that help him rule. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's really fascinating because we really are, we actually are talking about something that's an interesting philosophical idea and it's covered in all of this, you know, goofiness. But uh, I really, I, I was struck by the fact that this comic had some depth to it, you know, before it goes back to kooky and crazy. Yeah, and that's what I like. And, yeah. and then the, and the, the guy with, that's got these robots, he himself is in a big giant robot then, okay? Now, if, you, if anybody who's got this and look at this issue, he's in a big giant robot, and we see in the next cover of Waypoint... A man in a big giant robot. Not that it's identical, but that might have had some influence on the next Waypoint Star Trek comic coming out where they're trying to make it like a gold key comic. So I thought that was funny, too. Well, if you're wanting to mine the best parts of gold key comics, you're going to have the guy in the giant robot. I mean, (laughs) that's checkbox number one. (laughs) If there's a checkbox, that is definitely checkbox number one. You are right, my friend. You are absolutely right. If we could only have the giant robot with the man inside in boldly go, now that would please Matt Rushing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean, giant um, Borg with the man inside. <laughs> that's it. Oh, stop it, both of you. Um, and Matt's no, I, with Wesley inside. I, it's Wesley in there. <laughs> No, Wesley. No, Wesley. Um, <laughs> please, God. If there is, and I know there is a God, so God, please. Okay, thank you. Uh, I just got word. No, Wesley. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Everybody would be like, Matt's pretending to talk to God on the literary tracks. He is nuts. Yeah, we all knew that. It's fine. Yes, it is very true. <laughs> um, we're reading Gold Key Comics. You got to be a little nuts. Uh, so one of the things that I think is is interesting about this issue uh, the is the fact that, like you guys said, it has some really good stuff and has some um, great things that are happening in it. And then the end, it just conveniently all comes to an end, you know, because the staff that didn't have any effect on the other robots, he's able to take down the bigger robot. Like, that's how we're going to play this. Uh, it It had charged up by then. I think is what they say, but yeah, no, it's just, it's total convenience for convenience's sake. Yeah. I don't know. I find it easier to kill a larger spider than a smaller one. So maybe that's the same thing with the staff and robots. Mm. I I don't know. That's a, I mean, yeah, possibly. It is logic. I mean, that's the best logic I can think of. Honestly, I, I don't, can't really think of any better logic <laughs> sadly <laughs> enough but no this this is something that is funny and frustrating to have happen and um you know i i that's one of the things you can't go into these expecting that there's really going to be a lot of depth uh, and when there is you just have to enjoy it for what it is and then let the rest go you know and and so the fact that there was any kind of depth whatsoever was enjoyable to me. Uh, the The fact that there was anything in there that kind of made me think a little bit was fantastic. The rest of it, you know, it's it's just par for the courses we're talking about. I mean, that's just what you get 
when you do gold key comics and and that's fine you know I, so i would say though that i think one of the things about this is that this volume starts off strong because it is this is the first issue of it and you're like okay well if this is the first issue not so bad you know uh not a bad start and and that's fantastic so yeah i i actually had a really good time with this dark traveler story yeah agreed i mean it's it's definitely a strong start and uh it bodes well for the rest of the issue for sure so um that leads us to one called the enterprise mutiny and all the goodwill that i had (laughs) yeah it kind of disappears with this one yeah yeah you want to you kind of want to talk about tropes and that sort of thing like this is kind of the oldest one in the book um so the uh the crew is on this planet and basically uh kirk and half of the landing party are attacked by uh what do they call it a beta sore because it's on planet beta 2 and it's like a dinosaur godzilla so it, it's yeah godzilla <laughs> Beta Beta Zilla, I guess. <laughs> oh, I love Beta Zillas. I mean, they they taste so nice with a nice balsamic grin and grit. So good. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so this attack leaves uh, a bunch of crew members dead and uh, Kirk seemingly injured and possibly mentally unfit for command. But what Spock and the rest of the crew somehow miss uh, initially is that it is not actually Kirk. He's been replaced. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, 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 see, that's something we've never seen yeah. before. Uh, no, it never <laughs> No, never. Where it's would so that, weird. No. Like, well, I, I'm, I'm shocked, shocked <laughs> that they would do this. Yeah, and then they're also transporting, what, is he like an ambassador or something like that? Uh, yeah, he's an ambassador, yep. a Megan ambassador. He looks like Lex Luthor from the Superman comics. And is yes, only yes, able to look down his nose. That is the only <laughs> way he's allowed to look. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that you just pulled that. He totally does look like Lex Luthor. You're absolutely right. Why did I not think? How did I not think of that? I don't understand. He's a snotty one. Oh my so gosh, a snotty Lex Luthor. Yes, he is. Yeah, it, um, he is. He's very snooty, snooty, uh, snotty, and snooty, snotty. All those s words. Um, he's just kind of a little s, you know. Uh, but yeah, this was really interesting. So this whole idea is that the Enterprise is being asked to ferry somebody. So it's almost like the Enterprise D at this point. You know, we're going to ferry uh, an ambassador See, somewhere. the next generation got and that idea from this issue. Exactly. That's probably exactly what happened. And they're ferrying an ambassador somewhere, and the, they really want this ambassador treated right because this race is waffling be- between do we join the Federation or do we join the Klingons? And really the whole thing turns out that the Klingons are the ones who have replaced Kirk so they can get these Omegans to join them instead of the Federation. And yes, that's what's so interesting here. And, and actually, that part of the story is like pretty cool. Like, that they would be working behind the scenes to make this happen. It's just how they make it happen is a little bit goofy. Mm-hmm. So, 
I do have to say with these issues, uh, I've really noticed the likenesses. Uh, they've really stepped up their game there. So a lot of, in a lot of cases, Kirk, Sulu and uh, McCoy and Scotty don't just look like generic people from a distance. You know, they have very distinctive features that make them look like their characters. However, with this middle story, why is Kirk's hair jet black for the entire story and nobody notices? Is that because he's the replacement and just nobody noticed that? Like, if you look at the first page of part two of this story, his hair is completely jet black and it's brown in all the other stories. I, I just, for having gotten the likenesses so good up to this point, that, I don't know, just a weird way to drop the ball there. Yeah, I guess he dyed his hair. I mean, I guess they do that. I mean, well, because they just entered the uh, Bigama Maelstorm, uh, uh, the Whirlpool, with the little monsters grabbing the Enterprise. <laughs> so that's going to throw what was things with that, off. By the way, <laughs> they're little like, like they're gremlins. They're little monsters. I, I, I don't think we're literally supposed to think that these are monsters out in space in a Whirlpool grabbing the Enterprise. I think it's the thought of like that's what it feels like that monsters are pulling the Enterprise apart. At least that's the logic I'm putting to this. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I hope that your logic is correct because otherwise, I was like, "What is that weird hand that's grabbing them? This is the weirdest thing that I've ever seen." Yeah, like when they first showed up, I totally thought, "Oh, it's it's figuratively, you know, whatever." But then they just kept showing up and the hand and all. That. I was just like, "Okay, well, this is getting." And you never hear the crew bizarre. saying something like, "Oh, what are those monsters?" So they don't even acknowledge it them being there. Yeah. So that's why I don't think they really are there. It just feels like. They could be there. Does that make any sense? <laughs> I don't know. that. And so, okay, I have to nitpick on one thing real quick about the elevator. You know, <laughs> they, they're on the yes. bridge yes. running towards the lift. And it looks, you know, similar to the what we see on the bridge of the Enterprise, the, the, the rectangle door. But then when they go to close, it looks like we're on a submarine and it's got a sign <laughs> on it that says elevator. <laughs> Like they slammed it <laughs> shut on Kirk that went in there. I was like, where did that come from? That mm-hmm. that doesn't he keep up with the consistency of the art that we see in the previous panel. Like uh, That was actually pretty awesome. The fact that there was <laughs> an elevator that looked like a submarine. I was, I was actually laughing out loud when I saw that. I was like, that's hysterical. That really is hysterical. Mm-hmm. I just figured maybe they chased them, you know, they went down the lift and they chased them to the basement, maybe into the brewery, and they found that elevator. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had a Budweiser afterwards. Oh, my God, I love that. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened, Bruce. Totally. Oh, my gosh. That's, <laughs> I I really do. I, I really like um, the the idea behind the issue that the Klingons are behind this, there's something going on that they're they're trying to find a way to, um, you know, f- keep the Federation from getting a new member, and I to me that was the part that was kind of exciting here. Uh, it, it's just the way that they ended up going about it with the story was so goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was the thing that was just kind of frustrating to me with, with what happens. I, I just, I wished that, um, we had found a more organic way to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been 
more interesting than the classic, oh, the captain's been changed and nobody knew it wasn't the captain until it was too late, you know, and I just, it, it just turned out to be ridiculous and silly and, and yeah, I, I just, I didn't really enjoy it all that much then. And, and that was what was really frustrating to me. And so I, I guess I, I just wish that they had found a way to take the story and, as we were talking about with the other comic with uh, To Boldly Go, you know, like I just wish that there had been a little bit more organicness to what they're doing and why they're doing it and, and it just feeling more original. Because, yeah, I mean, Dan, you're exactly right. This is like trope city, mm-hmm. um, you know, this this one. And uh, they had some, I mean, again, they had some really good ideas. They just didn't stay with them, and, and that's just too bad. I, I really wish they would have kind of trusted themselves almost to uh, to just tell a little bit better story. So, The one thing that I did kind of appreciate is the reveal that uh, Spock had figured it out at some point and was kind of manipulating things so that yeah. Kirk went and yeah. stole the shuttlecraft. And all that. So I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But then they blow it again by having the stereotypical, one of them is the captain. Which one do I shoot? Which is just the laziest storytelling. Mm -hmm. I I hate that. I can't stress enough how frustrating those scenes are because they've been done. A million times to death. It felt a little bit like um, Star Trek Six. Uh, Star Trek yep. Six. Yeah, mm, shoot yep. him. No, so, he's the uh, one. No, shoot him. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did, I did think that was funny, kind of as a callback. It wasn't good enough to to mean that we should have done it. No, I'm, ex- I'm right there with you guys. Uh, I really wish that they had just found a different way to to do this, and and that's okay. I mean. It is the gold key comics, and and I I can't be too upset. Uh, there are some some funny things that do happen in here, and that's you know when an issue is not great, it's like okay, what's funny in here? And and there's just some ridiculously goofy stuff that goes on in, in this issue, like this malstorm that they get caught in in a green hand, you know, spitting them out. Uh, you know, it's 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 kind of funny. It, it's it, well, it is ridiculous, but that's okay. So the next issue, and the and the last one that we're going to cover tonight, is this one called The Museum at the End of Time. And I don't know, what did you guys think of this one? This one brings it back up for me, because uh, I thought it was an interesting story. Um, basically, the Enterprise gets caught in some inescapable void they call it limbo here where they can't get out and there's been a bunch of other people caught there over the you know decades and centuries or however long and they have to kind of come together to try and get out when it's revealed that the Klingons are there as well so you know the Enterprise and the Klingons have to work together to escape and this is a story that's been done in Star Trek a few times since as well the animated series had, I think it was called The Time Trap, uh, and Voyager had The Void. But it's a good story. You know, it's, it's, I like the idea of enemies coming together to work towards a common goal. You know, it's a very Star Trek thing. 
something that we don't get a lot of in gold key sometimes you know sometimes it's oh we have to kill all the plants on this planet because they're evil or something you know whereas this one it's like oh there's some actual ideals of star trek being uh, portrayed here which is pretty cool it's strange because it's this weird area it's almost like this this museum that's that was blown off and like by an asteroid off of a planet but was able to survive space and now but it's not really in space because mr mixaplex or whatever his name is from superman is the guy that runs this place. <laughs> That's awesome. You're exactly right. Oh my gosh, it totally is. Makes a place to place in here. Oh my he gosh. He says that this place is in limbo between places. So it's not... They are in purgatory well, now? you know what it made me think of was the recent trilogy of Legacies books. Because oh, in yeah. there... There was a limbo in between universes that she could exist in. So I was thinking, you know, not to say that our four authors of the trilogy borrowed that idea from the Gold Key comic, but it made me think of that kind of in between area. And then, of course, by the time our crew gets there and the Klingons get there, we find out that this realm is about to just like it's it's dying. It's going to go away and kill everybody in. Within like hours, within of hours, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like of all the times, the Ooh, time they showed up then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what I liked about the story, all in all, at the it would be you know towards the end where these these pilots, these spacemen or whatever they call them that are on this planet that were from other planets, other you know other dimensions or whatever that were now caught in here. They could have left. The window was opened by the Enterprise and the Klingon ship to, for they could leave, and they elected not to because they had been in there for years because like, time doesn't necessarily move. And they realized that you can't go back home. It's been too long, and they'd rather just stay there and die away than to go home and really just be bored and depressed because then they would take over the universe out of boredom. They would conquer the whole beta quadrant bringing it full full circle i like there you that. go <laughs> excellent yeah no i i really enjoyed this story you know some of the silliness of course that we've gotten with gold key like you said this one building somehow surviving the destruction of alderaan it looks like <laughs> right. basically being flung out into the void and uh well i guess we're still alive uh somehow but uh, the one thing that I did notice, which was interesting, we actually get continuity within the Gold Key universe because they referenced the Maelstrom from the previous story in this one. You know, we survived that Maelstrom, we can survive this. And Spock, well, that's not logical, but I hope you're right. <laughs> you know, I thought that was pretty cool. They actually get some, you know, a little bit of universe building, maybe, sort of. No, I think that's, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. They do that. And that's actually kind of fantastic um, that they think to to even mention that idea. That's awesome, Dan. I, I think as an issue, this is one that's actually really, um, actually pretty good. I, I think that they do uh, an interesting job of creating something that I feel like would have happened in the original series. I don't think that when Alderaan blew up, that uh, the the planet uh, spat out a small little city 
like what is this candor uh you know we're doing a lot of superman references here but <laughs> the bottle the bottle city of candor that got spat out and thrown into the nether zone uh, no but uh i actually i think that they have some great uh, there's a great base idea here for a story and i really enjoy it um i think this one it feels it does. It feels like it could be an early episode of Star Trek. And that's the fun thing is seeing those issues where it's just close enough to where you could see it being an actual episode. Like if it had gone through a couple more rewrites with, you know, the rest of the writers and then Gene Roddenberry, you would have come up with something like this. Uh, actually, you know what this issue reminds me of is the 37s. Mm. A little bit from Voyager. It kind of has that kind of feel with all these people who yeah. got lost in time. And then we find that, yeah. them on the other side of the galaxy. That's actually the kind of idea that we get here. So, again, I think what's fun is that we are actually seeing things that we have seen before in Star Trek. Uh, and they're playing out pretty well in in Gold Key. Um, and, and, and it's like... I love that. You know, I, I really like that we're getting that. And uh, so I, I'm I'm really pleased, actually, with this entire this entire run. Um, I, I really am pleased with uh, what we we got here. I don't know. I guess, um, you know, the first part, uh, we probably I mean, no reason really to, to rate, I think, uh, just these three. But on a whole, uh, would you guys I mean this is a volume here. Would you recommend somebody picking up this this volume here just by these three issues? Uh, for myself, I'd say so for sure. You know, it really shows that these gold key stories have a little bit more potential to them than we've seen in the past. You know, it's not just a bunch of bored old dudes taking over the galaxy because they feel like it. But, you know, they do something a little different. I think they're kind of finally getting what Star Trek is, maybe a better feel for that universe. And we kind of see that evolution as we go through these. You know, every once in a while, there's still a bit of a misstep, you know, still the characters acting a little bit out of character. But, you know, when we see where we were even just a few issues ago, this is miles better. Absolutely way better than a lot of the stuff we got earlier on. Yeah, it's definitely getting a lot better. Uh, it actually feels more like Star Trek, but you know, it's, it's, it's like that pulp magazine type comic stuff from way back when, and you know, people like us who watch and, and read so much Star Trek, it's kind of nice to see, like, I look at this as like a, just, you know, a different version, something different that, you know, let's take Star Trek and we're going to make it wacky doodle Trek and, and let's have fun with wacky doodle Trek. <laughs> And and <laughs> I love that. Like I absolutely, utterly love that idea. And it's like wacky doodle let's, track. Let's take this, you know, space adventure pulpy stuff and do it with Star Trek and still make it feel like Star Trek and still have a message, but have this pulp feeling to it. And so I I it, it's a fun diversion. It's something that still is I get that Trek high that I like to get it when I watch Star Trek or, or read it. And I also like one thing, and I don't even remember if this was ever discussed in past uh, episodes, but the uniforms, like they, everybody's wearing a yellowish green tunic, except for Spock is in blue. He's the only one in blue now. And even McCoy is in this yellowish green. And I, and I kind of like the idea. It's like, well, maybe 
you know, maybe the uniforms changed a little and they, now it's more like one color. For some reason, Spock's still in blue because he couldn't, you know, adapt to change yet. He, someone moved his <laughs> cheese and he wasn't ready. And but we're getting He's the show somebody moves Spock's and cheese. We're, <laughs> we're getting closer. Bruce is on fire tonight. Wow. <laughs> and oh, we, my and gosh. We're Bruce, you're the, awesome. The motion picture. And, you know, when the uniforms were less colorful. And so I kind of like looking at this going, oh, you know, maybe things started to change. And actually, it's these uniforms that I want to do cosplay in. I think it'd be cool to be Ooh. gold key cosplay in the uniform. So that's a cool idea. If I actually had to rate <laughs> this volume, well, I guess because we're not done with the volume. If I ever rate the first half of the volume, I'd give it like uh, four space gremlins in a whirlpool out of five. I that's that's incredible Bruce oh my gosh you <laughs> have topped the night uh, I have nothing to add but to say that I think you're absolutely 100% right I would also uh, recommend uh, this first part of this volume I, and I would say you know uh, at, based on this volume uh, and the beginning of it this this looks to be one that I think would be worth picking up uh, if you would like to have an idea of what Gold Key was and is, um, you know, if if you listen to our other episodes and, and, and they just feel a little bit too far off for you, I honestly think this is a good one to start on because I, as we were talking about with these issues, we're actually seeing some things that we'll, we would see play out in other places in just slightly different ways. And I think that's really phenomenal. So, um the fact that they're continuing to produce Star Trek ideas just in a slightly different version, awesome. I, I really love it. So uh, I think it's definitely worth checking out. Well, I think we're pretty well all agreed that this was a step in the right direction for Gold Key. Definitely moving beyond some of the limitations that it had earlier on in its run. Yeah, I, I, it actually gets me uh, excited about the new Waypoint comic coming out that's, you know, mm -hmm. kind of following this style and this type of storytelling. Uh, but uh, again, it's just, it's giving you something different, something, a different way to look at Star Trek. Maybe it's not what you want Star Trek to necessarily be. <laughs> so maybe this is like bad dream Star Trek, but <laughs> you know, it also kind of reminds me of like the, you know, the JJ Abrams movies and people are like, ah, oh, it's not Star Trek, but it's like, yeah, but if you look at it as like, okay, this is just big budget movie, popcorn space adventure, Star Trek, you know, it's, it's not your everyday Star Trek. It's just something different. You just gotta look at things differently. And I mean, there's rocket contrails coming out of the warp engines. How can you beat that? That's, that's so <laughs> awesome. What you guys are talking about, I think, is so funny. Is that it really does feel like Monty Python Star Trek. <laughs> you know, it's and now for something completely different: a starship with contrails coming out of its nacelles. Uh, you know, that's exactly what we're getting, and and that's what makes this so fun. And like you said, Bruce. It is wackadoodle, uh, and I, I think that is enjoyable. And what's been so interesting is to watch the way in which this kind of charts a course closer and closer to the Star Trek we knew as we move forward. And I, I'm really enjoying it. Again, you know, seeing bits and pieces of different episodes, parts of the movies, that kind of stuff 
in other places in Star Trek means that these writers were starting to understand what they were doing and what they were writing and all. I just really enjoy that. So uh, this has been so fantastic, I think, to get to talk about. I can't wait to finish this volume with you guys. And uh, I am just beyond excited uh, to to do that and see what we've got coming up for the rest of the year here on literary treks it's we've got some great stuff coming up for you guys uh, with uh, prey we're gonna do some more comics uh, and we actually have uh, just a little spoiler for you guys but we have some old school hardcover novels that we're going to be doing so uh, some very special things coming up for y'all and I did not tell my co-hosts that I was going to do this, but I think it now is the time for everybody to know I will be leaving Literary Treks at the end of the year. Now, before everybody goes crazy and people start rioting and burning cars and stuff like that, I'm not leaving. I'll still be actually editing the show, helping the guys oh, out. Well, now a we bit, feel so much better. You're editing the show. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce and Dan will still be here. They're not going anywhere. Um, it. I will say it took me a very long time to find somebody who I could feel comfortable with passing this show off to. Uh, I was very fortunate that when Chris Jones uh, was not able to do the podcast anymore. Uh, Dan was able to step in and, and take his place and just do a fantastic job. Um, it, it was wonderful. I've loved being part of the show. I don't think a lot of people realize that at the end of November, this show, I will have been doing it for five years. Wow. So it's been a very long time. I couldn't leave unless I knew that there was somebody as dedicated to Star Trek books as I had been for this show and that I knew people would enjoy listening to. And Dan and Bruce are definitely those people. Uh, I have enjoyed every single moment being with you on this show. And I'll still be back as a guest frequently. So don't fret. I'll be back. But this will give me a little bit of opportunity to have some bit of a breather for me in my life. Um, my, my reading life, as I think most people might understand, have been very busy. This show used to be four times a month. It's now only three, and that helps the host to be able to have a little bit more control over their lives. But um, for me, after five years, it is time to step away for a little bit to be able to just come on in as a guest and enjoy the books with the guys. So I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has listened to Literary Trek, supported it, and made it, I think, the premier book podcast. And that's not because of what we've done. I think it's because of what the listeners have done. It's because you guys have stuck with us and you guys have listened every week and you guys have interacted with us on Twitter and Facebook and all of those things. And you have made the episodes with the authors such big hits that they've wanted to come back. And so I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone. And to the authors, I just wanted to say thank you. I really appreciate you all for sticking with Literary Treks. Some of you guys have been here for five years with the show. And uh, it has also been the support of the authors that have made this show possible. So a huge thank you to everyone, uh, because without you, this show would have been nothing. And it would have been something that would not have continued for this long and will not continue on for hopefully another five years and longer. So 
I just wanted to let all the listeners know that since we're getting closer to the end of the year, uh, we have some fun things coming up for you guys. And again, I can't wait to come back next year and guest with these guys every once in a while and hang out with them. Uh, It's been a blast, but I know that I'm leaving it in the most capable hands I could have ever found. And so I just wanted to say that to everyone. And the other thing is, is that uh, I have a huge thanks for so many people who have been here as associate producers. I really appreciate Ken Tripp, Brandon Shamatella, Bruce Gibson, and Norman Lau for their support. Through Patreon, they have helped make this network what it is. Uh, We continue to need your support. So we're a listener-supported network, and please help us out any way that you can. Any little bit, just go to patreon.com slash trekfm, and you can see how you can become part of our team well guys i'm sorry to have thrown that bomb in on you guys but i thought it's this is probably a good time uh, to let everybody know now dan when you're not trying to get away from your bottle city that's flown off into the nether worlds where can we find you well matthew you can find me getting really sad over the fact that you won't be here next year as uh as often as you are so uh, first of all, I want to say really honored uh, that you feel that you can leave the show in our hands. Uh, we hope that we do right by you for sure. And when I'm not feeling that way, which is pretty much all the time lately, uh, you can find me on Twitter. My username there is at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Productions. And on Facebook at facebook.com slash Productions, and on my website where I review Star Trek novels, both old and new, at treklit.com. And uh, Bruce, when you're not activating your huge giant robot uh, in your attempt to be a megalomaniacal dictator like we all know you want to be, <laughs> where can we find you? <laughs> well, well, before I say that, I just want to thank you guys for, you know, keeping the show going and to Chris for being in the first few years of it and and having me on. And I think Matt's foolish to leave it in our hands. It's all just going to be a disaster (laughs) from here on out. No, I'm kidding. It's all going to be great. But I want listeners to know that Matt has ended his five year mission. But as an admiral, he'll find every way he can to get on the bridge of this ship. So he will be back often. (laughs) I promise you that. But anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And uh, you can find me occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast. If you go to StarWarsReport.com, you can check us out there. And uh, Matt, when you're not using your staff to fly a flying carpet out of here where can people find you oh gosh uh well i gotta say i really like that staff thanks so much guys it's gonna come in handy uh that i can just make you know uh flying carpets out of nothing this is awesome um it's gonna make getting places so much faster Uh, but when i'm not doing that i'm probably taking pictures of it on instagram at m rushing and i tweet about it a lot at matt rushing zero two uh, you can find me here on the network doing The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Deep Space Nine. And of course, uh, I'm doing the General Geek Show here on the network, the 602 Club, where we talk about a fun, enjoyable, geeky topic each week. And uh, everybody gets to join in with the fun there. Of course, you can also find Star Wars, a 602 Club collection, which just collects all of the Star Wars episodes of the show. Uh, and both of those have feeds in 
iTunes. And of course, doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills, which is all about Star Wars. We just pick a fun, great topic from Star Wars each week and talk about that. So hope you will join us over there. That's on the nerdparty.com or of course on iTunes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.